Love yo, Talk yo, yo. Radio. What up, everybody? Player Lens Productions podcast. Got Patrick and Edward coming on today. Let's get into this Bill Maher, Kathy Griffin issue last week. Let me get our guests on. All right, we back. Let me get the guests on. Hello. Patricia? Yes, I'm here. Edward? Yep, I'm here. Can you hear me? What's good, my nigga? Yeah. Y'all can hear me Not okay? Not much, <laughs> Y'all can hear me okay? Yes, yeah. I can hear you. Word, word, word. Everybody hear each other good? We good? Yeah. Yep, here. All right, let's get into it, man. What are we doing with this nigga, Bill Maher? Okay. Let me just say that how I felt, so I actually watched the video. I watched the video to see in what context he was saying it, um, and so so on and so forth. So the conversation went like this. Whomever he was talking to or had on the show was saying, um, come out in the fields and work with us. He was making a political joke, but it still had that racial underturn, undertone. It was still a racial slur. You get what I'm saying? So that cued yeah. Bill Mayer to saying, working in the field, no, I'm a house nigga. Nigga, mm-hmm. what? The way he right. said it was so comfortable. It was it was jovial, and I don't care if his intention was was to wasn't to disrespect us because the word the words in and of themselves are disrespectful, and you're not allowed to say it. Period. Mm-hmm. And I felt as though. <laughs> And I felt as though, yes, I, uh, yeah, a little more. And I, and I felt as though, look at this right here. This is the shit right here that we're trying to, we need to put into our youth so that they can recognize when someone, even if their intent isn't there, they need to know when to check people. Because what that statement right there, if he, truly understood what that has done to the black community, that is the start of colorism. That is the start of placing lighter skin tone people at a higher and at a higher cause they're closer to white. So you get to work in the house. You don't gotta work in the field. That mm. is fucked up and that is the brainwashing that we have today. Like light skin people, oh it's too it's too it's too hot outside. I can't be outside. I don't want to get darker. Well, why don't you want to get darker? You know what I'm saying? So I just felt pissed about it. I felt like rightfully sh- the actions that were taken against him, rightfully so. And, yeah, that's that's what I had to say. That's what made me mad. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? So, quick question, quick question, quick question. What was the... Um... Like, what was his disciplinary actions? 
What what took place against him? Well, supposedly his show was being canceled, but that could be just free smoke. Got you. So I, they're threatening to take him off the air. Uh huh. So they're threatening to take one. him off the uh, air. They're gonna. I can't hear you, Edward. What'd you say? You're breaking up. Ed. No, I was asking if they were threatening to take him off the air. That's what they were doing. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Go ahead, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Well, to answer your question, and I, I want you to continue with your point, they uh, they released an apology, a bullshit apology at that from HBO. And what a lot of people don't realize is Bill Maurer owns the production company. He's actually in a partnership with HBO. He doesn't work for anyone. Mm. So it's not as simple as a Bill O'Reilly situation where we say, all right, we're just going to fire him and get him out of here. It's, it's, right. It goes a little deeper. Because he's part owner. I mean, well, shit. If this this might be able to be turned around as like free like marketing for him to like use HBO to get more ratings, more people to watch HBO, just to hear him say "I'm sorry" and no, and he doesn't really mean it. Mm Mhm. That's bullshit. That's how white people operate, though. In general. That was all you had, Huh? I was asking Edward if that's all you had. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with Patricia 100%. I just, I, I can I can definitely see multiple angles as to, like, what what this is, this may lead into or what it can lead into. But, I like, he's definitely... Like not a, at the end of the day, he's not dumb. Like he's not where he is in life because he made like stupid decisions like this. But I feel like this might be like just free marketing, like some mm-hmm. wicked way of marketing for him to lead into something else, like him being an author and like him writing a book or some shit because he doesn't want to be on TV no more. You know right. what I mean? So. Right. And then, y'all, I saw something on the Shade Room, and, you know, we all know the Shade Room today has some very credible things going on. And his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend, said that um, she, well, she insinuated, but, however, why are you, why are you being interviewed by the Shade Room, airing him out, just to insinuate just to not say and insinuate which I felt was annoying like I guess she was being afraid of being sued for defamation of character but at that point to hell with his character um and she basically was like he felt like he has used the words before he has used the word nigga before he he feels comfortable using it and I just would like to know who gave him that silver spoon who added you to the crew like you not Eminem, you not you not Post Malone, you know what I'm saying? You not, and I'm not even gonna excuse these rappers for using the N word because they do use the N word, but that because that's a whole nother debate. But I'm just saying, like you don't even have any type of street cred. You don't even have any like any type of story that has a connection to our plight at all, and so. 
the fact that you thought that that's that's like me going to the country and teaching them how to swing dance. What I know about swing dancing, you know what I'm saying? I don't know shit about swing dancing, so I'm not gonna go to the country and do that. I'm gonna go there. You know, I may participate, but you're not going to catch me doing that when I come back to the East Coast. (laughs) So, it's the same thing. I feel you. Well, I got a unique opinion. I mean, I'm kind of on both sides of the fence a little. Because I think one thing we are leaving out, maybe a lot of people, I don't think, realize this, that they were going on these social media rants, but Bill Maher has always been an advocate for the black community and has always been on the correct side of things. He's mm-hmm. always been for us. He has a great relationship with Michael Eric Dyson. So I'll go out on a limb and say he is a nigga. And if you if you break down the context of what he said it in, me and my mother had a discussion about this as soon as the topic came up. Mm-hmm. This guy he's having a conversation with is a, is a Republican. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I forgot. I wrote some, I think it's Nebraska or somewhere. But he makes a very odd innuendo. And that's why Bill Maher responded the way he did. He asked Bill Maher, you can come down and work in the fields with us. So you kind of got to see, in a way, this is white versus black. We're talking about a, probably a racist Republican white guy who could care less what's going on in the black community versus somebody who's always been an advocate for us who throws mm-hmm. this little jab, little in the window. So Bill Maher, but let, is, is it, was, it, was, it, was it a, I'm not excusing it. I'm not saying it was a problem. No, 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 no. I know. Let me interject. To, go ahead. Go ahead. Let me interject. But at what point do, okay, I understand that we need white people to fight this this war. This, we need white people too. to systematically dismantle the systems that their great-grandfathers have put in place, and we need white people to talk to other white people about it because white people only listen to white people, just like doctors only listen to doctors, <laughs> lawyers only listen to lawyers, black people only listen to black people. Honestly, we need one of every race in this country to be the leader, okay, if we're going to have war, you know, peace amongst everybody. Period. So I'll say that first. But at what point do we allow our allies to feel like they're one of us? Why You're my ally. I need you to stand next to me, not in front of me. Don't use my... Don't use my, my culture. Don't think that you can take bits and pieces from my culture and use it. I want you to defend it. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's just I respect our allies, and I am not going to deny that we need our allies. However, to my house, uh, that don't mean you don't have to take off your shoes. You feel me? It's it's still a respect thing at the end of the day. So I do understand what you're saying about that. Like, yes, you, you know, I'll say that that's why I said his intent. His intent was not to be malicious. And that I peeped, I, I, you know, I read it. It was cool. I knew the other guy, his comment about working in the fields was, it definitely had racial intent. Because that's you can just hear I'm happy you brought that up because I think that went over a lot of people's head. In a way, was it appropriate and untasteful? In a way, he was defending black culture. 
he went about it in a very poor way, but he was making himself one of us. He, he, he shouldn't call himself a nigga. And, and that's another thing I think people are missing. He didn't right. He, he should have said, said hey. I work in the house mm-hmm. if he wanted to make that joke. Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm saying? If he wanted to make that joke. He was, but he was definitely making himself a part of our culture, and, he, and it was a, it was an undertone that went over a lot of people's heads. He was basically saying, "Don't come over here with some in you windows. Like I'm a part of them. Like those, those is my niggas. I'm, I'm one of them. You know what I mean? But right. obviously, you have to remember you are on such a large platform, in that even if you are trying to skew the appropriate message, or you have, like you said, good intent, it's gonna get misconstrued, and all people are gonna see is a big nosed white man say nigga. And and people right. aren't going to be and the and majority of people aren't going to be like up and they're not going to dive into it and break it down the way we are right now. Right. Right. And that's the problem. That's that's the point. Our generation, like Michelle Alexander, I just started reading the new Jim Crow. Um, oh yeah, I, I own that. Whoa. I've been to get to it. Whoa. Uh, great book. I just read. So far, I've read, read the introduction. Even the introduction was fueled. And I'm just like, whoa. Anyhow, um, she she used something. She used a term in there, and she described our generation as sleepwalking. And meaning, meaning we're watching, like, we're allowing people to, you know, portray our culture. We're, we're allowing people to rob our culture, one. We're allowing people to say things from our culture, like the word nigga, that, which too, and just people from different races saying it, which, I mean, I'm not gonna, that's another debate, but I'm just saying, we've allowed people to use bits and pieces of our culture, and I just think that him, like, what was, I lost my train of thought, shit, 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 no, I think okay. Can, can you? You want me to take off? No. Can, no, I was talking to my sister because she's distracting me. It's they're over here. Okay. Um. Damn. Yeah, pick up, and then I'll come back. Okay. When I, I'm just interject. When I remember. Well, see, it. What, that's why I said I had mixed feelings about it because the overall spectrum it is wrong, but me personally, Freak. like. I, I, we always joke about that white boy who gets the pass. And in a, in a way, I feel like he is one of the white boys who gets the pass, even even though, like, you made a great point at the beginning. We just have to stand for him on that. Oh, here. here's what I was saying. Here's what I was saying. Here's what I was saying. He's the white boy that gets the pass, and that's fine. Fine. He could be the white boy that gets the pass, and that's cool. In a social setting, there's a time and a place for everything, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, like you said, we're not going to – not every person who watches and hears that 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 um video is going right. to think, hmm, you know, he's done a lot for the black community. Maybe they consider him, you know, one of them. Oh, yeah. black people <laughs> aren't going to think, you know, he's done a lot for us. He's one of us. That's what's up. People are going to – sleepwalkingly look at things on the surface. And he has to realize with a platform of millions of people in a country that is sleepwalking, you cannot be so overt. Now, if it was the homies, it was the homies and we was chilling at the crib and he said, y'all, I'm a house nigga. 
nobody was going to be mad because you didn't nobody, do yeah, that on a, on a grandiose scale. <laughs> right, and you talking to your niggas, period. Yeah. But you were on a yeah. national scale. You, this was your opportunity to awaken even one white person, one conservative, one redneck. And mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? And other black people too. But you didn't. You just thought you was too down. It's just that girl who got comfortable too soon, you know? That's how I feel. <laughs> right. Yeah, I am. Um... I, it's, it's it's funny though because we, you know, race and color plays so much importance in the dialogue. But when you look at people like Jason Whitlock, who's talking crazy about Serena Williams, talking crazy about LeBron James, and when you look mm-hmm. at people like Ben Carson, who are jumping out mm-hmm. the window and saying crazy, crazy. stuff about slavery and things like that, and these are both brown skinned black men. I I I admire Bill Maher as way more of a nigga than th- those two black men. So it, it it gets a little tricky. But like you said, we have to. There's a time and place for everything, and we do have to. Well, a standard. you know how white people, when there's a bombing, they be mm-hmm. like, "Oh, he's not one of us. He's crazy. He's a lunatic. He needs help." Right, 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 right. You know, so when b- people like Ben Carson, uh, when you bring up people like Ben Carson, that's how we think. Oh, he's a wild card. Like, he's just crazy. Like, you're brilliant with your hands and you're a brilliant surgeon, but somewhere you got lost. Yeah. You feel me? And that's how we see Ben Carson. But feel me? If somebody, but, 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 and Ben Carson gave up his black card. Bill Maher had to yeah, has to earn he it. Threw it down the drain. It, it, he yeah, he threw it down the drain. Like he can never get it back. Like, You're like never her, like him, <laughs> right, right. It has been revoked. You have been evicted. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like he can never ask for the support of the black community ever in his life. Mm-hmm. And he knows that and I think <laughs> What? I say you're absolutely right, without a shadow of a doubt. Right. Bill Maher, like, uh, I'm telling you, it's just the setting for me. It really, it just really Mm -hmm. is the platform. Like, my number one pet peeve of people who have a national platform of millions of people viewing in is they don't do enough for fear of losing what they have. So America forces you to assimilate. You know, and I was talking to a good friend of mine about this, and I said, you know, I, you know, going further um, in life, I don't ever want to have to assimilate simply because of the title I have. You know what I'm saying? And we I want to be of, black. Jason Whitlock is one be, of those people. Right. Mm-hmm. Al Sharpton. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it. It, it, and it's it's saddening because. It's like once you get to a certain status as a black man or woman, like you said, you have to assimilate. And it's like right. you're, you can't do or say certain things. And, and you see it broadcasted daily when you look at people, even like Stephen A. Smith, Jason Whitlock, mm-hmm. Ben Carson. Whenever we have these people who make it to this, this high plateau and we say, okay, these are our leaders and we can follow them, they jump out, mm-hmm. the, win- out the window on you and they'll, they'll say something that, 
just destroys the whole black community or, or culture as a whole. And you're like, oh, you're supposed to be fighting for us. How you just how you just get to the how you get to that status and bow down to the white man like that? It just it just reminds me of in Michelle Alexander's book again. She said the affluent, you know, the affluent black African Americans, black people, they they think they're free, but no, you're in a golden cage. You get what yep. I'm saying? Because at the end Bye. of the day, you're still not free. You think you made it because they gave you something you didn't have, which was stability. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? They they gave you things that we have that our people don't have generally. So when you get stability, when you get a little money, when you get these things and you taste that life, you don't want to ever go back to what you was doing. Yep. And I understand right. that mindset. I understand that. But at the end of the day, who like if just one person, one of those people who switch sides or assimilated, if they would speak out, that would also wake up everybody else like him. Mm-hmm. And you can't fire and take down every single person who's saying what they want. That's not going to happen. And, right. so, and united we funny. stand, <laughs> period. Not to cut you off, Patricia, but it's funny you say that because – cool. Jason Whitlock was actually glorifying that assimilation. And he when he spoke about the LeBron James vandalism issue, he was like, Yo, you're rich later for those racial issues. Don't bring light to that. So we have right. a, another black man with a powerful platform actually preaching. Let's all stay in assimilation. Why why talk about the nastiness of racism? You can just pay a whole staff right. to buy you another house or clean up the house. Let's, let's, let's not talk about any real issues. Let me tell you, though, Jordan, he's appealing to the audience that pays him. This also goes back to the crabs-in-a-bucket mentality of right. minorities. If minorities mm-hmm. supported rappers, support and bought their music, showed up to their concerts, and was their major source of income, no, we wouldn't, and we didn't have that crabs in a bucket mentality, regardless of what they say or do, they would have the black community behind them, buying them stuff, ensuring that they still get the things that they've worked for. You get what I'm saying? So, it's it's like, these people are put between a rock and a hard place. Like, when a rapper comes out and he's saying some real shit and he's, you know, he's ill with it, he not getting no attention. But Lil Uzi Vert, even though I do love a good little Uzi Vert song when I'm trying to turn up, that's the only time. Not if, not if I'm trying to be conscious. The only time. You, you know, what I, the only time. Fact. Right. So, but who's little Uzi Vert's audience? White people. White They're people. buying his shit. When a rapper yeah. changes his flow up, his his um lyrics up, it's usually white people who are buying his shit. Because they don't care about what he's saying because they're turning up. And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. none of what he's saying applies to them anyway. And, hey, I this money is nothing for me. Let me buy his $10 album. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just from top to bottom, it makes it, impo- it, makes it impossible to – to, to be together. Like, everyone got to work together to make this work. And that's what, like, people aren't getting. Mm. 
And LeBron James isn't off the hook, neither. A lot of people are, are happy that he spoke up about the vandalism. But LeBron James is the mm-hmm. same man who was asked in the press conference about the murder of Tamir Rice. And he said, oh, yeah, I, I, I don't got all the details. I can't, I can't speak on that. Like, a child was murdered for no reason by the police, and you need facts, my nigga? But like you said, you got to play, you gotta play, play into that assimilation because there's a white man behind LeBron James. Go, don't, don't say nothing about that, boy. You crazy? You got to get this bread, nigga. Yeah. Right. Right. And at what point are we going to have our people in power? Exactly. And that paints a poor message for our youth because that shows them once you reach a certain level of success, you lose your voice and you have to do whatever the white man tells you to do. You can't uplift your people. You can say or do what you want. So that's really leading very poor examples. Right. Right. The golden cage. Yeah. Right. So what do you Unless, think, like, when, um... Sorry, go ahead. Well, what do you think for those people who make those goofy arguments when they, uh, when they say, okay, well, we call each other niggas, or they say, well, uh, black comedians, they call white people crackers, so it, it, it's all the same thing. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's no. not. They can't be the same, no. There's no history behind the word cracker. I was just about to say, like, the word nigga goes back hundreds of years. There actually is a history to the word cracker that a lot of people don't mention, and it was actually the whip cracker. He was actually the person who supervised the slaves. So something that is supposed to be used as a derogatory term, in a way, is almost a compliment. You call a white man cracker, you're saying, what up, master? What up? What up, foreman? What up, supervisor? What up, you know, lead person in charge? There, there, oh, there is you a just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, I'll, that came out of left field. I ain't never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, so when, when now you know when a white person uses that argument against you, say, well, you see all these black comedians saying cracker. Well, it's actually more diminishing to their character because cracker is, is almost an uplifting term. Because that's almost right. acknowledging someone as a superior. It's not derogatory or condescending in any way, shape, or form if you look at the depth of the history. Mm. And so what what y'all think about us calling calling each other niggas? Huh? I said, so what, what do y'all think about us calling each other niggas? Because, you know, that's, that's another excuse they like to run to. So what would, what would be your... Your point of view, if you were having this debate with a Caucasian person, so well, I'll call it you are, so you, why is it you, you are because when I say to a black person, my nigga, guess what? Right. You are my nigga. We are under the same repressive forces. We are going through the same thing. They see right. us the same. They want right. the same thing for us, which is nothing. You right. are my nigga. Period. I feel you simply just looking at you because I, we know how they see us. You get what I'm saying? That's we, we ain't got to ask that. It's almost like, it's just like we're one in the same for them. Right. Mm-hmm. And what happens um, to saying, I, huh? Go ahead. And when rappers are saying nigga, it's also their way to connect to us. But it's kind right. of like that fake friend because it's like 
yeah, I connect with y'all, and I could do a lot more, but guess what? He's cutting my check, and now I have a family. Exactly. You know? And it's so, I'm using this word to connect to you, and I am black, but at but the I'm same not going to do time, nothing for you. Right, but I'm not going to do nothing for you because <laughs> I will actually become a nigga again. <laughs> no. And I don't And if you, that. I was going to say, and if you ever notice, like, entertainers specifically give back to communities, it's usually 100% out of their pocket. They have, like, no sponsorship. Nobody's a part of it. The Like, True. the police department didn't volunteer to set up, like, you know, cut off the block so that, you know, they can have, like, you know, a big, safe environment to do something True. like that where they can, like, an entertainer can give back. True. Like, you never see that shit. It's just, like, a big-ass bus or a sprinter van, whatever the fuck the entertainer is in for the day, a, like, maybe ten people in his, like, posse, and that's it, and, like, mad of whatever they're giving back of. True. You know what I mean? There's no it's support. It's just like, yeah, there, there's no support in that. You so know a lot what? of people go off. And, and, and to go off of what Edward said, true, like, there's no support when rappers give back. It's like Chance the Rapper giving $1.3 million here. Uh, you know, Jay-Z giving out book bags over here. What they yeah. lack is organization, okay? Because if... They really came together. Organization and unity, like I've been saying, is imperative at every level. You know, because if black artists really sat down and said, hmm, you know, instead of Chance giving $1.3 million here and doing this and doing that, why don't we all as artists come together, put something big in the pot, and donate to what we feel is a cause? You know what I'm saying? A huge cause. Right. Like the Flint water crisis. What right. if every black and Latina artist had a big-ass benefit concert? You think that shit wouldn't sell out? And don't let, donate True. that to Flint. And we could have right. Flint yeah. fixed in a day. In but a no day. one has that organization. <laughs> no one has that thinking. You know what I'm saying? That unity is, is missing. So... Mm-hmm. That's really the issue. And, sorry, I was talking to a friend about this. I was talking to Elijah about this, actually. You know Elijah. And um, we were talking, and he met Tupac Shakur's babysitter back in Cuba when he, he just came back from study abroad. He met her. And so she was she was there in the it, right in the heart of everything with Angela Davis with Asada Shakur with people like that, and mm-hmm. she said to him basically like what they had back then was passion for for freeing the minds of their people and teaching the black culture, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But what they lacked was an intellectual aspect on how to do it. And the mm-hmm. FBI, the FBI put people like Asada Shakur in exile and Tupac's babysitter in exile. Simply, and Fred Hampton, they killed him because these are people 
who knew how to organize people, and that was their only threat. That was literally their only threat. They knew how to wake people up, organize them, but the plan never went forward to to the execution. So you you wake people up, so what are you going to do with them? So, right, right. And 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 I guess that's right. my question to you, Jordan. Even though I guess you're the one that's supposed to be asking the questions, but <laughs> I do have a question for you. If 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 our goal, if we have a clear goal, and the goal is to wake people up, what are you going to do? What do you think we should do? They arrive. Um. Say the question one more time. I want to. I want to get a good answer. If the if the goal is to wake people up, if the goal is to right. organize our people, right, 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 and people alike, basically, if that is the goal, mm-hmm. what do you do when they're awake? Where do we go from here? What's like the execution? When you have their attention, right? Yeah. Like oh, you I, attention, I, I, I know you exactly what you're it? talking about. There, there's so many layers to that. Like, once you have an understanding of this world we're in, like, it, it's so much that needs to be done. I was just at an event at Great Oaks on Barnum Ave, and we were discussing so many things with some of the students. We were breaking down the, the brutality of the education system, how a lot of people go into high school at fourth grade reading levels. We were talking about police brutality, um, manhood, just these different things, and even you guys can go and look at something Killer Mike said at a press conference, and he said everybody talks about the revolution, but mm-hmm. who knows how to plant? Who knows how to farm? Who knows how to do this? We ain't ready for shit. And I think mm-hmm. that it's, it's such a, a learning curve that we we never get taught. And like I, I'm I'm actually trying to put something together with uh, Lafayette James you know, one of our old high school classmates, and we're trying to put together an event that talks all about nutrition. So we've, we've been taught that we have to get this ABC learning from, you know, up until we graduate college, uh, American history, this and that, but there is, it's so much more. There's so many levels of history that we aren't taught. There's so, there's so right. many things that, that we don't know and that you have to be a conscious, woke person to start understanding that you, we're not taught the value of nutrition. We're not taught how to, how to farm, we're not how to have our own gardens, how, how to plant, how to do all these things. There's, it's, it's, it's a lot out there. And that's actually a part of me doing this podcast to raise that awareness of all those things we really need to start learning and teaching ourselves. I was just talking to my girlfriend yesterday and I was uh, explaining to her, the importance of unity. I live off of Madison Avenue in Bridgeport, and I say when you literally stand at McKinley Avenue and Madison Avenue on the corner, when you look across the street, there's Sergio that's ran by Italians. There is another corner store that is ran by Asians. There's a deli to the left that is ran by Portuguese people. It's it, all, all the way down, there's a restaurant that's ran by Brazilians. You already know a lot. A lot of the Middle Eastern people got the corner stores on lock. They got the cell phone shops on lock. Where, 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 what do we own? What do we have? 
And like you said, we have to break away from the traditional narrative and the traditional American education. Because right now, especially when you see our leaders like Stephen A. Smith and Jason Woodlock, they're teaching that assimilation and they're teaching you once you get it, just run and never turn around. And you actually need to do the opposite if we're ever even going to be able to compete in this racial war. We have to teach business ownership. We have to teach unity. What we're doing right now, the three of us are participating in that. I'm trying to get something started off the ground, and y'all both could have told me, you on your own. But she said, no, nah, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to call in. And, and we, we support one another, and we try to create our, our right. own growth out, out of nothing. Yeah. It's, right. it's, it's, it's so deep, and we might have to get back on here and just do an episode on just that topic alone on then once we are woke, you put that perfectly, once we are woke and we understand we are in a much bigger war than we could ever imagine, where do you start? And it's, it's a very, very long list. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's true. We're all over the place. And that was their intent. Mm-hmm. You know, that that was their intent to, okay, and now when you discover what it is, you know, do you have the fortitude and uh, to, to to proceed? You know, do you have the will? But honestly, if you're truly woke, right, and yeah. and you you consider yourself woke, there's no way that you could turn back your back on the issues. Once you awaken, it's like a switch you can't turn off. That's so true. You know what I'm saying? Because even for me, like, personally, with, you know, my whole journey to medical school and, you know, my dream is to be a physician working in New York City. You know what I'm saying? At New York Presbyterian. Hey, that is that is my dream. And let me tell you. Oh. Not to cut you off. Are you comfortable talking about what happened to you last time or the year before? Oh, yeah, I'm not, I don't care. I'm well, I think what's so incredible about you is, mm. for the listeners, Patrika was in a situation where she was at a party in Bridgeport, and she got shot in the leg. And that could have given Patrika the ultimate excuse to say, fuck the hood, fuck being conscious, fuck being woke, these niggas ain't shit. And she could have went, went about her life and whenever she was touched with the issue of giving back or helping, she could have gladly used that excuse that I, I got shot. I don't care about some ignorant niggas. But it actually, she right. actually twisted it. She used it. It encouraged her more to go, yo, it's, it's really bad. And I, and especially I'm on my journey of being educated and trying to accomplish all my goals. I got to make my community a part of this, and I can't turn around. And she made sure that she didn't fall into that assimilation. And I just, I got a kudos her for that. <laughs> Thank <time>. you. <laughs> well, at that point, I was just like, whoa, you know, these niggas need me more than ever. <laughs> because, um, wow, like I was really just, it was just a random night. And you know, it's crazy. Like, it sounds corny too. Like, people be like, oh, you know, we, the night started off and we were hanging out and then. We went out. We never thought this was going to happen. You know, that's literally what happened. You know, you, I woke up from a nap. I, I, I got dressed. 
you know, I beat my face, and then I told my mom, hey, I'll be back. Like any other night. You know what I'm saying? It it was identical to any other night that, that I've left this house to go to an event. Except right. you never know when that one night is going to rock your world. <laughs> and that was certainly uh, my night. <laughs> um, but, 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 you know, forward to what I was saying is, yeah, that is my dream to work at this hospital. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I'm not going to turn my back on my people, period. So, and that means being public. That means being open. That means saying things that may get my superiors upset. And, you know, I've been battling with myself, like, what would you do if one of your superiors came to you in the future and was like, you know, we can't have you doing this, whatever, so-and-so. What would you do? And and I am prepared to walk away. I'm prepared to open my own practice and do my own thing. And hopefully I will get the support of my people to sustain myself. Because what what is life going to be like? You know, when you, when you, have, when you have your life or, you, you know, I don't want to be that person who's just kind of living and then I die. You know, I want to be that person who, okay, she did this, you know, she, she became a doctor. She, she, she gave back to her community. She woke people up. That's waking people up is what I want to be remembered for. And she just so happened to have been a doctor. Being a doctor is something that I'm going to (laughs) do. But I think that message is something that we, like you, going back to your previous point, you said, what do we do once we're woke? And that is a message we need to teach. You do not need to be working for no job who disagree with your beliefs, who are going to disrespect you, who are going to do you dirty. You don't have to belittle yourself. It's okay to have the strength and the dignity to walk away. I won't allow this and walk away. And that, and we, but we actually are taught the opposite. We, along with a number of issues, not just employment, that we have to put our head down, take a beating from the man, and just figure it out. Life goes on. We start right. to deal with it. Right. Uh, life ain't fair. How, how many times have you heard that going on? Life ain't fair. Deal with it. You never right. have a job. Right. And, and if you're going right. to be a strong-minded person and you're going to hold your ground and have dignity, you got to do the, the complete opposite. You you can't pay me a million dollars to to go to no job where I'm being disrespected, and that goes into another conversation of the 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 pedestal we put money on. Your, your right. happiness. At your what price, price can you be bought? Dignity. Yeah. <laughs> what your price? But we, like you said, we have to teach these narratives, you know. But we, these narratives don't get taught. Instead, we're taught the narratives that the media wants us. Right. That they want us to acknowledge and learn through the media, and that right. that's going to be my next topic, and we can go into how crucial the media is for our community, and mm. in the way they they manipulate. Forget the media. <laughs> like, just sure. just honestly. On, oh, sorry. Go ahead. But see, but you you can't really forget the media because 
every everybody's in tune with the media, and not everybody's as smart as the three of us that we're going to have our own opinions and we're going to stick grounded to what we were taught, what we believe in. A lot of people are going to sure. fall victim to the media. And I'm reading um, a book by Professor Griff called The uh, a Covert War on Hip-Hop. And he has an acronym on page 33 in that book, if anybody wants to read it. And he uses an acronym for media as multi-ethnic destruction in America. And it's, it's <laughs> wow. crazy. When you, start, when you start to learn the history of media and propaganda, and there's, there's an author who wrote a lot about propaganda way back in the day, like I think the 30s and the 40s, they have been planning to use this as a tool to control us for decades and decades and decades and decades back. So we have to be careful how much we're getting invested in. Like everything, and I went to a Professor Griff lecture recently, and he was even scientifically explaining how when you see certain things and you hear certain things in the media, they control your emotions and how you're feeling and how you're going to think for the rest of the day. And it's literally, it's literally, for lack of better words, it's, it's mind control. So you, you have to be careful. It's brainwashing, yeah. And it's all, it's all in, the, I think, the first two chapters of that book I'm reading. And I would even go on a limb to say I slightly feel like the Bill Maurer thing was brainwashing. And I, I really feel like it's, it's a bunch of white people, me slapping somewhere behind the scenes, laughing at us because we're all so invested and outraged at Bill Maher, and there's so much more fucked up shit happening right now. That And, and we right. worried about a white man who's actually on our team. No, we shouldn't have said that shit. But a white man who's fighting a good fight with us, and we've taken all this time and energy to slander him. Why? Because the news told us to slander him. And and that's why right. I said they were knee-slapping because they were excited. Ooh, a white man who actually is in their favor. See, watch what we do with this story. Watch how we evoke this right. emotion. Let's get them completely distracted. And I got a, a, a list, a number of things that are much more That you guys right should be outraged about. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. How, how long ago was it? I don't know if you guys have been following the Terrence Crutcher trial, but the, the woman who killed Terrence Crutcher, Betty Shelby, just got off for not a day in jail time a week or two ago. But they're not going to publicize that on the media because you might want to go kill that bitch. But no, they're going to tell you to be mad at Bill Power. You know what I mean? Right. No, it, think about it. Trump just submitted that budget to Congress. Millions and millions and millions of dollars getting cut to education and things that we need in our community. $9.2 billion. And even if you look at, so what was the cover for that? Russia. Now we are worried about this Russia shit. Who gives a fuck what's happening in Russia? We about to lose millions of billions of dollars for our children, the next leaders of the free world. And we're talking about some, some conspiracy in, in Russia. We got we got to start paying attention to these things. There's, it's, it's, there's always a distraction. There's always, a, there's always a, a distraction going on. Even there was a 22-year-old found hanging from a tree in Jackson, Mississippi, not too long ago. And they tried mm-hmm. to cover it up with suicide. What, what black boy going to hang himself from a tree? In Mississippi, in a suicide. Right. But once again, they want you. To, but they want you to be mad about Bill Maher. They want you right. to be mad at Bill Maher. I don't want you to be mad about niggas getting lynched in Mississippi. They want you to be mm-hmm. mad about Bill Maher. Right. You know, if the it, 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 
No, I'm just saying, like, if the if the media was really who they were supposed to be, which is the voice <laughs> of the people, if they were really going to be the voice of the people, they would be covering all that and more. Yep. They would be covering exactly. everything. But they, too, you got to understand, they, too, are not in control. Mm-hmm. You know, we have people, it's, it, it's those people that are, High up, high up, whose names that we probably, we don't know unless you Google search because they're never in the media. I'm happy you said that because, and you could, you could give it whatever titles and, you know, what you could put it in whatever quotes you choose. You could say the Illuminati, you could say the secret society, you could say the white men we don't know that run the country. But there are people doing that, like going back to what you said, what you start to learn, what, what you start to practice once you woke. There are people behind closed doors, behind closed doors doing very vicious things. Like very vicious things. They are controlling these messages. And even if it's, I think, public record, you can look up this. Everything that comes through the media has to be business CIA. They are on top of what was popping up on his phone. Even Professor Griff at his lecture, he was saying look, 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 look. the smartphone machine control your emotions and your feelings. Once you once you put in that PIN number, once you put in your thumbprint, whatever pop up on your feed or your timeline or your YouTube, wherever you get your media, is gonna distract you right then and there. It's it's twenty four seven. They wanted it. Right. What's that? Who phone is that? That's not my phone. Are you at? Hey. Yeah. You sleep, nigga? No. Right. <laughs> Sound like you were snoring over there, bro. Real shit, it did. Uh, me, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you, bro. Me and Patricia, we gonna, we gonna wrap it up, all right? Okay. All right, I'm gonna get him off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> he fell asleep. I feel, I feel him. It's a very frustrating place to be, and it's very confusing. And sometimes you just gotta be like, I'm gonna take my ass to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, ladies and gentlemen, and that is a perfect example. It's better in the morning. <laughs> and, and, and white supremacy hurts so bad. Sometimes you just got to take a nap, even when you're on a live broadcast on the internet. Right. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> but like I was saying, Patricia, the 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 cell phones are just remote. They're they're remote to control us, and and this is all real evidence out there that you can research. Like I said, I, at the end of the show, I'll get the author of the book, Propaganda. But they've been planning on ways to control us and manipulate us since before we was born, before we were thought of. And, and we have to accept that as a reality. That's not some made-up conspiracy theory. They are trying to control our emotions and our thoughts 24-7. And like you said, what do we do when we're woke? We have to acknowledge that, and we have to teach that, and we have to develop ways to maneuver around that. 
And like that, like you said, we were sitting there having a conversation, and we discussing all the things about Bill Maurer that they weren't telling us in the media because we woke. So we got to teach people to think like that. Right. Right. Well, so, uh, like, so, go ahead, like, go ahead. like, like, like the people before us, right? Mm-hmm. It, like the people before us, where. We're woke, or could be considered woke, because of because we've dug up and we've looked up the things of the people who are working for this fight and people who have worked this good fight way back in even to the 1900s, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to be incremental. That's what that shows right. me. And so now it's like, what, 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 what's next? What do, what are we trying to do for everybody? Wake everyone up, mm-hmm. and then however long that may take, and then our kids will wake them up and fight, and then our kids' kids will wake them up, fight, and then dismantle shit. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and something I was. Something one of my elders, one of my OGs, told me at that event I was mentioning that I was recently at. He said, you know how you beat racism and you kick it fast? You don't let them know you're coming. And that has changed my whole perspective on being conscious, on fighting the racial war. Don't let them know you're coming. So don't, so don't. Like you said, don't let this media distract you. Don't get up in the white man's face, whooping and hollering, talking about how you're going to beat him up and what y'all going to do in fear of a black planet and we're going to take this shit over and we're going to go to war and we're going to fight. No, 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 no. You beat the white man at his own game. So you know, how you, you, know how you do it. You, you don't let him see you come. So you know what that means? Right. That means teaching your kids their real history. That means teaching them how to be properly educated. Right. You know, teaching them how important college is, teaching them how important business ownership is in their community, teaching them how an import how important it is to give back, teaching them how important it is to relay that message to the next generation. Do everything outside of racism. That's how you beat racism. You build up everything that don't got shit to do with racism. That's just about being a strong minded, good whole person. Right. I agree. And that's why it starts with the kids. Yeah. Or they're, they're the most important part, I'll say. Yeah. Can you hear me? And that's what, yeah, I hear you. And that's, that's everything I just named. That's what I'm trying to do now. I'm just trying to uplift the community in every other way besides just talking about and not to not to say racism and white supremacy isn't real, but we can't beat the racism and white supremacy if we don't build up on these other things. You right. Know what I mean? You got a little bit more time, or you ready to get about it? I do have to go to the gym. <laughs> you do. All right. That's good. So uh, I, I have some more notes, but I'll, I'll save that for next time. We had a really good discussion tonight. And I really appreciate yes, you and Edward. Rome, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, 
And this not going to be the first. I mean, this not this was the first, but this is not going to be the last time I'm going to pop up in here. <laughs> That's just up. I really appreciate you. I always refer to you as one of my conscious sisters. So I appreciate y'all's support. Let's keep this going. Right. I, All right. I agree. I'll like Okay. Bye, Jay. Bye. All right. Salute. Uh, for everybody still out there, I wanted to mention one thing. Out of Michael Eric Dyson's recent book, Tears We Cannot Stop, it's, uh, it's a bit much, so I didn't really want to interrupt the dialogue. But Michael Eric Dyson had a lot of good things to say about the N-word, and he was emphasizing the difference when it dealt with G-G-A and G-E-R. So this is, if anybody wants to purchase the book, it's called Tears You Cannot Stop. The author is Michael Eric Dyson. And this is from pages 165 to 169. And I think it really makes a great point to the dialogue I had today with the freaking Elwood. So I'm going to just read these four pages to you guys and get about it. It says, nigga often sounds organic and sensual in the mouths of black folks. Its meaning is shaped by the circumstance in which it's said. It is a term that works best when spiced with humor and sin. It is a greeting. What up, nigga? It is a direct object now. You my nigga, if you don't get no bigger. It is meant to emphasize or celebrate. The setup. Hey, man, I just got into Harvard. The celebration. Nigga, it is an imperative suggestive it is an imperative suggested by a change in tone. Hey, bro, my doctor just called and said, I've got to go get some blood work. The speaker is urged The speaker is urged to comply with the doctor's wish and responding. Voice that slightly stretches the first syllable. Nigga, it is laughing. These girls never give me any play, and I drive a Mercedes. As in mercy, these payments killing me, the humorous response with hand over mouth, nigga. It is a sign of approval, my nigga. It is a, it is a sign of disapproval, said sternly with squinting eyes, nigga. It is an expression of disbelief, spiked with a smirk, nigga, please. It expresses self-hate, much like nigga, does with a scandalous, scolding tone, nigga. And it signifies a love for one folk, even as one acknowledges their flaws. Largely in a lighthearted vein, these niggas. If more of you understood that nigger is a world apart from nigger, and if you understood how different spelling and pronunciation and the race of the user changes its meaning, then some of you might not insist that you should be able to say it too. Beloved, feel free to admit it. Most of you thought that black folk were saying nigger. You thought you had been banned from using it. because it was a horrible word, only to discover, to your surprise, that black folk were saying it too, which meant that it was once again safe to say. But many of you felt disappointed. You felt it your duty to admonish black people that they should know better since the word supports the bigotry of some whites. The many whites believe that it's easier to warn black folk not to use the word, to tone down their lyrics and eliminate a troubling word. 
than it is to keep white folks from using a racist epithet that still echoes in white quarters. Some of you may even feel a bit of anger since you have done so much to keep your family and friends from using the word. You think it is hard to tell white folks not to use the word when black folks simply won't stop. My friends, white privilege screams in many of these areas. The fact that so many white folks don't know the difference between nigger with an ER and nigger with a GA is more than a lack of curiosity. It is a refusal to learn about black life and culture. Of course, it cannot be denied that some black folks also think there is no difference between nigger and nigger. But even though that's true, the stakes are different. Many whites draw equivalent between this term as a way to establish fair rules about what blacks and whites should be able to say to each other. Many of you believe the ban is universal and there's nobody should use the word. Many blacks agree. Their aim is largely pragmatic. They want to keep white folks from believing that they have a right to say the word in public. If the best way to do that is to keep black folks from saying it too, then so be it. That history sets some black folks that history sets some black folks folks teeth on edge. They think the term's mutation to nigger can't release from the hate and charm of nigger. They think that many of you won't be smart enough to tell the difference between the two. This may be where black conflict emerges with white privilege. I refuse, and I hope you do too, to turn white Americans into infants. Older members of the community know or can easily learn that there's a difference in the two terms. It is reasonable to say that younger whites who hear the relentless stump of nigger on their favorite rap teams are ignorant of the history of violence against black folks that nigger suggests. Is it possible that those same black artists are poor historians too? That may be true. Yet those same kids, indeed those same artists, can't be let off the hook for refusing, as my father used to say, to get their lessons. We don't excuse young people. Their ignorance of American history, we teach them, even as, even as we chide their bluster and their pride in not knowing. I had to testify in the 1990s before a state legislature about the effects of rap music on our nation's youth. I had to answer in part the claim that a white boy had been encouraged to use the N-word because he heard it in his favorite music. I asked the legislator rhetorically if that same boy who had been introduced perhaps to the B-word, too, which is repeated arguably as much as the N-word in rap music, had refrained from using the term against or around his B-word. I suppose out loud that he had no doubt learned how and when with whom to use the epithet or even one of its offshoots like Biatch. Thus, he learned not to use the N-word in certain contexts and should understand that he cannot use the N-word either. The same is true for other white boys. Even as they hear the word nigger constantly they should know better than to son with the privileges of blackness tucked into their oversized clothing. I'm sure you realize the hypocrisy of urging folks to be responsible and yet making excuses for white Americans. You may have heard some black folk argue that using nigger is a sign of black self-hate. That is black folk denying their own history, denying their own status, 
their ability to code switch and to make distinctions between words and the history that those words carry. There are many signs of black self-hate for combat, but using niggas is not one of them. Beloved, you've got to face the fact that accusing black folk, black folk of perpetuating the legacy of inequality by using nigga is a vicious ruse. It is yet another way of refusing to accept responsibility of wanting everyone else to white folk to practice the accountability you preach. All of this is a calculation to avoid a bigger issue, and that is how black folk are after all our efforts to be accepted as fully American, still seen as others. I'm going to get out of here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate everybody listening out there. One, salute.